ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय यही संस्पर्श जब होगा दुख so the uh, translation of this verse, uh, it's a very heavy message, very grave message. So please listen carefully. Consideration of what Krishna says here should change the life of everyone who takes it seriously. And we should take it seriously. The translation is as follows. An intelligent person does not take part in the sources of misery which are due to contact with the material senses. O son of Kunti, such pleasures have a beginning and an end and so the wise man does not delight in them. Dukon ka karan me buddhiman lok bhag nahi lete. Jo bhotik indriyon ka sangsparsh se ate. Hey kontea, kunti putra. Uspraka sukha adi he or ante or isliye buddhiman lok usme raman nahi Purport, material sense pleasures are due to the contact of the material senses, which are all temporary because the body itself is temporary. A liberated soul is not interested in anything which is temporary. Knowing well the joys of transcendental pleasures, how can a liberated soul agree to enjoy false pleasure? In the Padma Purana it is said, Ramante yogino nante satyanande chidatmani iti rama pade nasao param brahma vidhiyate. The mystics derive unlimited transcendental pleasures from the absolute truth and therefore the supreme absolute truth, the personality of Godhead is also known as Rama. In the Srimad Bhagavatam also it is said, Nayang deho deha bhajang riloke kashtan kaman arhate vidbhujang ye tapo divyang putraka yena satvang shudhid yasmad brahmaso kyam tvanantam. My dear sons, there is no reason to labor very hard for sense pleasure while in this human form of life. Such pleasures are available to the stool eaters. Hogs. Rather, you should undergo penances in this life by which your existence will be purified and as a result you will be able to enjoy unlimited transcendental <laughs> bliss. Therefore, those who are true yogis or learned transcendentalists are not attracted by sense pleasures which are the cause of continuous material existence. The more one is addicted to material pleasures, the more he is entrapped by material miseries. Srila Prabhupada uh, sums up the purport of this verse in the last sentence of his commentary. 
Srila Prabhupada writes that the more one is addicted to material pleasures, the more he is entrapped by material miseries. Now this sounds contradictory, doesn't it? If you get material, the more we have material pleasure, the more we get material misery. But pleasure and misery are opposites. Or are they? That's what Krishna is pointing out here. That what is conceived of as pleasure is actually the source of misery. And the more we try to get pleasure, the more we suffer. That that statement should be qualified. The more we seek out material pleasure, the more we suffer. There's another kind of pleasure. Spiritual pleasure. The uh, teachings, in the teachings of Buddha, he says that uh, the world is full of suffering. Suffering comes from desire. Therefore, we should stop desire. And then we won't suffer anymore. It sounds logical, but there's a flaw in the logic. The material world is full of suffering. That should be obvious to everyone, but unfortunately, it isn't. We see all around us, as Lord Krishna points out in Bhagavad Gita, and as Lord Buddha discovered, according to the story of Lord Buddha, yeah, first of all, what Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Janmam Rityu Jiravyadhi Darshanam. One of the features of knowledge, Krishna is giving knowledge to Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita. It's not a sectarian uh, religious text. People say, I, I believe in the Bible or in the Quran. But Krishna, he's giving knowledge to Arjuna. It's not a question of whether you believe it or not. It's a fact that this material world is full of birth, death, old age and disease. This is knowledge. Etaj jnanam iti protam. This Krishna says, this is knowledge that I've spoken. It's, it's just a fact. Just like uh, we can say that it, we are all sitting here in the state of Kuwait. So, it's just a fact, that's all. It's not something that's disputable. It's, it's a fact. It's uh, according to Modern science, a molecule of water is dihyd what is it? Dihydrogen oxide. Two atoms of H2O. This is pretty well known scientific fact. So it's not a question of uh, opinion. Or belief, it's accepted as a scientific fact. So, birth, death, old age, and disease, 
these are everywhere, all around us. Therefore, Krishna says, and it, uh, this is knowledge. So Lord Buddha, he, the sto- as the story goes, he was raised as a prince, and his father wanted him. There was some prediction, astrological prediction, that he would be uh, sadhu. So. His father tried to protect him from that by not exposing him to the reality of the world. But anyway, as was fated, from time to time he made some expeditions outside the pleasures of the, of the palace. His father protected him from seeing any misery. But then as he went one time outside, he saw one time that uh, a woman had given birth and the pain of birth. And he asked his the minister who was accompanying him, what is this? How is this pain? so much pain? He said, well, that's natural. Every living being gets born. Everyone has to suffer. Everyone has to suffer? Yes. And then again another time, he saw death, and he asked us, he'd never heard of death. And so the minister, he asked the minister who was accompanying him, what is this? This is death. You have to die and leave the body. The body collapses. He said, really? Everyone has to do this? Yes, everyone has to die. He didn't know. So like this, he saw birth, death, old age and disease and uh, he thought about it and thought, well, this world is miserable and he thought to find a solution. So he came up with this uh, understanding that the world is full of suffering, that any intelligent person should accept. Suffering is caused by Desire. That's also true. Therefore, according to Lord Buddha's teachings, we should stop desire and therefore, and concomitantly, all suffering will stop. Now in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says, Janmam Ritu Jaraviyadhi Dukha Doshanu Darshanam. He says that one of the facets of knowledge is to see that birth, death, old age and disease are miserable. Anudarshanam. He doesn't say darshanam. He says anudarshanam. Darshanam, of course, means to see or to understand. In English, if we understand something in common speech, we say, I see. Isn't it? I see. In, at least in England. If someone explains something to someone else, and they say, oh, I see. It means I understand. So, darshan means to see, and that's also translated into English as Philosophy. So we talk about Bodha Darshan, Buddhist philosophy. 
Vaishnav Darshan. Vaishnav philosophy. Tattva Darshan. The, uh, under, the, that's a general term of philosophy. So Krishna doesn't say just to see that these things are miserable, but Anu Darshan. Anu, as a prefix, can mean several things. One of them is following. We should see by following the teachings of others. Following those who know. Those who are Tattva Darshi. In chapter 4 of Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna speaks of the Tattva Darshi. One who sees all the different categories and understands them. So, uh, Lord Buddha made his philosophy by his own understanding, but he didn't consult others. So there's a flaw, there's a logical flaw. He's made a logical, three-part logical construct. That the world is full of suffering. That's supposed to be axiomatic. Suffering is caused by desire. Now you have to look that the world is full of suffering, that shouldn't be too difficult to see. Although most people don't see it. Everyone sees it. But as is stated in Sriman Bhagavatam, Pashan Api Napashati. We see but we don't see. We see suffering all around us, but we think, anyway, let me be happy in this world. So, uh, real seeing means anudarshan, to see through the trained eyes of knowledge. That's true, not only in spiritual knowledge, but uh, in any sphere of knowledge. If we're trained, then we can see or understand things which other people don't understand. Just like if we're trained in calculus, then what to other people seems like some squiggles on paper. Other people can see the formula written on the paper, but they don't understand it. Whereas to a person who's trained, then it's not just squiggles, but to them they can understand the mathematical formula. Or... Uh, in a chemical factory, a chemical engineer, anyone can walk into a chemical factory and see the various uh, apparatus there for whatever they're chemically producing. But a trained chemical engineer can, he doesn't just see, but he understands what the different processes are. And he may recommend some adjustments. So, seeing simply with the eyes, that is not sufficient. One has to be trained to see. And one can make a... If one is not trained, he can make serious mistakes. There's a saying that a little knowledge is dangerous. 
because sometimes people they have a little knowledge and they think they know everything. And then they make serious mistakes. <laughs> you could, uh, just like uh, in, a, in a fire, you may see a, a fire extinguisher and just shoot the, uh, open the extinguisher, but it could cause more problems. You have to see what kind of, what kind of fire it is, and, uh, well, there are three kinds of fire, what is it? Four kinds of fire. What are they? And one is, uh, electrical, oil-based, paper, wood, and gas. So you have to know, you have to, if you, if you put water on electrical fire, then could end up with everyone electrocuted. So, um, it takes training to properly know. People think, in the modern age, people think that, well, religious life or spiritual life is just a matter of belief. You say, oh, I believe in this, I believe in that. Krishna does speak of belief in Bhagavad Gita. But that faith should be based on proper understanding, not blind faith. Therefore, Krishna explains Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna. So, in Buddhism, getting back to this, uh, yeah, so uh, suffering is caused by desire. Therefore, to stop desire means to stop suffering. So it sounds very logical, but as in many apparently logical constructs, there's a mistake. Because uh, this, this series of three statements, in it there is the error of presuming that the only kind of desire is material desire. In Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna uses the word karma repeatedly. Karma, icha. These words repeatedly arise. Vihaya karma nyasarvam. Pumangs charati nispriha. So these terms are used. Vihaya, giving up. Karma, yasarvam. A person who's given up all desires. And Pumang's charity, Nispriha, he moves in the world without Spriha, is another word, which means desire. He moves in the world without desire. Nirmamo, Nirahankara, is no sense of possessing anything or of, of egoism. So these terms are repeatedly used. Karma is described in Bhagavad Gita as this Vihaya Kama, one who's given up all desires. Kama is described repeatedly as the Krishna describes it as the great enemy of the conditioned soul. As the, the cause of our entanglement, one of the gates to hell. So Kama doesn't get a very good uh, not recommended in Bhagavad Gita. So Lord Buddha, who uh, didn't refer to the Vedic scriptures, 
But he also said that desire is the cause of suffering. But there is another kind of desire. Where does desire come from? This doesn't have any desire. This cushion here. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? What would you like? Well, can the cushion communicate what it would like? It doesn't like anything. The cushion is desireless. That means it's achieved the perfection of existence. The perfection of existence is to become a cushion. Because a cushion has no desires. Is that right? Yes, I don't think so. The perfection of existence is to be desireless. Well, that means you become insensate. But the living being, by nature, living means that we have desire. If we don't have desires, then we're not living. So, if we... And that is the uh, Buddhist philosophy, or the... Of course, within... Buddhism, there are so many different schools, but the uh, overriding of most, what's considered the most authentic school of Buddhism is that, well, you just stop all desires and you cease to exist. You, you don't, or, or they say that there is no existence. Everything's just an illusion. You've heard that before? Everything is an illusion. Have you all heard that? But is it actually a fact that everything is an illusion? If that's true, then Krishna is also an illusion. And then what he's speaking Bhagavad Gita, then that's also an illusion. And if someone says everything's an illusion, then what they're saying is also an illusion. So what does that mean? That the illusion, it's not really an illusion. It's a meaningless, well that's what they say, that everything is meaningless. If you say everything is meaningless, then uh, how can you even say, how can you even conceive of everything? I mean, the very word has a meaning. If you say everything is meaningless, that sentence has a meaning. You, ca you cannot conceive of meaningless. If you can conceive of it, the word meaningless has a meaning. So you can't, it's not even possible to uh, convey meaninglessness. Because the very term meaninglessness has a meaning. That's why you end up in Buddhism with... It, it, it comes to absurdity. And therefore they have meditation techniques like meditating on the sound of one hand clapping. If you meditate on them that long enough, you become self-realized. Or you go crazy. Which, actually, even to meditate on it, you have to be crazy in the first place. Because how can you meditate on the sound of one hand clapping? It's like asking, you can't clap with one hand. It's not possible, is it? You have to, well, I guess you could clap like that. But it's, it's deliberately framed in a way that you can't think about it. And then you try to think about it, you can't think about it. And then the idea is you go to a stage beyond thinking, which is supposed to be self-realization. 
Anyway, it's all very complicated. Krishna makes everything very easy in Bhagavad Gita. He explains everything very straightforwardly. Unfortunately, people don't understand it. Why don't they understand it? Because of material desire. <laughs> Which is... Um, ah, jnanam avritya dehinam. This material desire covers the clear knowledge which actually everyone has. If someone can understand the teachings of Bhagavad Gita, we say, oh, he's a great jnani. But actually Bhagavad Gita, in one sense, is not something to be learned because we all know it by nature. It's the nature of the living being to know all these things. But we are, our knowledge is covered by material desire. So, uh, material desire is the cause of suffering. And the solution is to purify our desire and have spiritual desires. Krishna says at the end of Bhagavad Gita, the conclusion of his teachings, Nanmana bhavamadbhakta Madhyaji Maunamaskuru Mame Vaishasi Satyam Pritijane Priyasi. Always think of me, become my devotee, worship me, bow down to me. By doing this you will come to me. I promise you this because you are my friend, my dear friend, you are my priya. So Krishna he offers us a better thing to desire for. Here in the verse we just read is described that Contact of the senses with the sense objects um, that gives a feel a sense of enjoyment, but actually it's suffering. So instead of desiring sense enjoyment, we should desire Krishna. Simple formula. Contact of the senses with the sense objects. If we think that is my pleasure, then it actually causes our suffering. And that causes our entanglement in material life. And Buddha recognized that. But he didn't recognize, he didn't get it, this solution properly. We cannot be free, totally free from desire. It's not possible. If we think, uh, let me become... I, let me become free from material desire, then I'll be free from suffering. Well, the desire to be free from suffering, that's the desire. And the desire to be free from, to want to be, how are you going to become free from desire? You can't just, it doesn't just happen. You have to do something if you want to try to get free from desire. That means you have to desire to be free from desire. You're caught. So, uh, the solution is to understand the teachings of Bhagavad Gita. That's why Krishna speaks Bhagavad Gita. Because we're all suffering in this material world. Krishna is very merciful. He comes to teach us how we can get free from suffering. What is suffering caused by? Suffering is caused by try, trying to be happy in the wrong way. Everything that everyone does, they do for happiness. 
isn't it? Directly or indirectly. Everything we do, we do because we want to be happy. Every single thing, from even the tiniest, so you have a little itch, scratch, to our life plans, I now, who shall I marry, or what degree shall I go for in the college, what job shall I try and get, from the big things to the little things, everything we do for happiness. But then we find that this world is full of distress. What is the cause of that? The cause of our distress is, is our attempt for happiness. It means we don't know how to be happy. Everything we're doing for happiness, but we don't know how to be happy. We have, we're in the illusion of thinking that material enjoyment will bring us happiness. But it doesn't. And as Srila Prabhupada writes here, the more one is addicted to material pleasures, the more he is entrapped by material miseries. So the more we try to be materially happy, the more we suffer. There's an anecdote that Srila Prabhupada uh, told once of Chitaranjan Das, who was fairly well known in the modern history of India. There's a town, industrial town in West Bengal, named after him, Chitaranjan. It's a fairly common name. It's the name of Krishna. And uh, his family name was Das, which in Orissa is a Brahmin name, and in Bengal is a Shudra name. Not that it matters that much. But anyway, uh, he was a very successful lawyer, big man, earning lots of money. In those days, he was earning 50,000 rupees a month, which even today is pretty good salary in India. In those days, it was like a fortune. So he had so much money, very rich, very respected, very well known. One time he was sitting in the front of his house in Calcutta and uh, looking miserable. And his wife asked him, why, why are you miserable? Why are you looking so sad? At that time some sadhu went past as in Bengal often the Sadhus, they sing. Maybe he was a bow or whatever. So he was, he was singing. And Chitaranjanda said, I want to be like him. So here's a man who had worked all his life to get fame, prestige. He got everything. And he said, I want to be like this man. Because the sadhu, he, he has no money. He's just this kind of sadhu. They'll just wander here and there. And they can sing. They have no cares. They have no cares. Where will I get my food from tomorrow? They don't bother. Where shall I sleep tonight? They don't bother. No arrangement. Wherever they are, 
they find some place to lie down and sleep. They have no prestige, which means they have no anxiety either, because if you have prestige, then you always have to be careful to maintain your position. Everyone will look at me and respect me. If you have prestige, there'll be definitely there'll be people whispering behind your back all bad things about you. Whereas the sadhu, no cares. <laughs> Nothing to care about. So, for all his success, he thought, I want to be like that. We see that practically also, that the uh, modern civilization is developed on the principle that the more material pleasure we have, the better. It's this, this whole modern civilization is based on the misunderstandings Yehi sangsparsha jabhoga sukhayonea evate. That's not what the verse says. The verse says, Yehi sangsparsha jabhoga dukhayonea evate. Material happiness, which means the happiness caused by the contact of the senses with the objects of the senses. Seeing things that we like to see. Hearing things that we like to hear. Smelling things that we like to smell. Tasting what we like to taste. Touching all the senses. Indulging the mind in what we like to. And what we think is enjoyable. So we think that should bring us happiness. That is the principle of modern civilization. Materialistic civilization in general. And modern civilization is particularly materialistic. It's all developed on that basis, but Krishna says that the actually this causes distress. And we see that in modern civilization, the more people try to get, the more they become dedicated to this principle of trying to be happy by material enjoyment, the more miserable they become. And although all the world is Aping America. Uh, America itself is a very disturbed country. Very, uh, the whole society is very confused. There's lots of crime. The, the uh, family is unit is broken down. And many. Children are born to mothers who are not married, and even if they are married, then they become unmarried. Many of them, they get divorced. And they've got so far away from understanding what a family is that now uh, they want to make uh, families of homosexuals. That two men living together, they get married in the church. Or two women get married in a church and then they can take someone else's children. And they call that a family. And so many problems. Crime, murder, uh, people, uh, they need so many drugs just to exist. 
people uh, in America, the word Prozac is a household word. A few years ago in America, someone told me that, well, uh, I'm on Prozac. I said, what? And they said, what? You know what Prozac is? It's an antidepressant drug. And it's so well, it's a household word. Everyone knows what it is. I'm not sure. I don't think it's over the counter. You have to get a prescription. But uh, it's so well known that it's it's like saying Vaseline or something. It's it's the name of the brand, but it's so well known or, or borrowing in, in Bengal and Orissa. Everyone knows borrowing. Hmm? Hajimol, <coughs> something like this. Pan Parag. <laughs> Something like that. Well known. So Prozac. Everyone's heard of it. Everyone knows what it is. So uh, it's a society that in one some senses has been very successful in building big buildings, in uh, creating technology. But socially it's a total disaster. But they don't understand why. The reason is given here in Bhagavad Gita. That people think, well, what's that? That's from India. India? It's just... Uh, if you, in the West, if people talk about India, they think it's like the worst place on earth. The caste system. They, they think the caste system. so much violence and poverty and corruption. Well, it's true there are severe social problems in India. The women, they're so badly treated. Most of the women, after they're married, they all get burned. That's the impression they have. Of course, um, most women in India, even today, they have a fixed husband and a fixed family, which most women in the West don't have. So, uh, the uh, independence of women has meant that they don't have any fixed family. And uh, when they, they sp both men and women, they because they don't have any family, they they throw the children out. They don't even want the children. They think the children are just a nuisance. So, when the children, the maximum age they can stay at home is 18, and the parents throw them out. What are you doing? I looked after you long enough. Get out of here. Let me enjoy myself. And then they all end up in old folks' homes, or dying miserably in their old age. So, uh, the solution is given in Bhagavad Gita. But people think it's uh, some kind of sectarian text. And they have this... In America, it's, it's very... Uh, or in the West in general, there's this idea that, well, no one should tell me what to do. I'll be an individual. So, I'm not going to listen to any Bhagavad Gita... Why should I listen? I can find out my own way. It's very foolish because they, they say, I, will, I'll, I'll, I don't want to listen to what anyone tells me. 
but we don't find many people in, for instance, India saying like that. So they got the idea in the West from people telling them that you shouldn't listen to anyone telling you what to do. You get it? That someone told them that you shouldn't listen to anyone, you should... So they took that instruction from someone. It's, it's, uh, it's again, it's a hypocrisy. You'll find, you'll find uh, in some books, people writing, don't read any books. Just think of, in a book, it's written. In some book, I, there was one famous New Age guru, I don't think he's so popular nowadays, they come and go in fashion called Stephen Covey. So, he was very popular about 20 years ago or so. So I happened to see one of his books and I opened it up and it was his description of the perfect person. He was giving short sutras about the perfect person. What they should do. They should be uh, strong-minded, punctual, and all these different qualities he gave so one of the things I saw was he said that he doesn't accept anyone as his guru. So it, he, this person, is Stephen Covey, is known as a New Age guru and he's giving all kinds of directions about what you should be like. So people are practically accepting him as a guru and one of his instructions is not to accept a guru. So it's all hypocritical. People are so messed up and foolish. They can't understand even very simple things. If we want to understand... First of all, that human life is meant for higher things than simply enjoying the senses. And that should be obvious. But the whole society is so degraded that they think that the aim of life is simply to enjoy the senses, which Krishna here states is the cause of suffering. But they can't see that. They think, well, if I'm suffering, then the solution is to have more sense gratification, which is the cause of the problem in the first place. And so they try to get more and more, and then they get more and more frustrated, they get more and more angry, and, uh, and they go crazy. And all, it's crazy. It's just a completely crazy society. People are just trying to get happiness in a way that they cannot get it. So Krishna gives us very good advice. And actually, this is knowledge. This is not Indian knowledge or American knowledge. This is knowledge for all of human society. But that you are born in Indian, I presume most of you are from Hindu or Probably all of you are from Hindu families. So, uh, you have that advantage. You don't have that cultural disadvantage of thinking that Bhagavad Gita is some sectarian uh, book from some backward society. Of course, Indians also think their society is backward, their culture. That's a result of the... Uh, Aping the West, if we think that everything in the West is better. But actually, this is knowledge. And you can accept it 
more easily due to your cultural background. But please try to understand, it's not a matter of faith. It's not a belief. It's not just... Just like in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says, Dehino sminyata dehekamarang yoganamjarata tadehantara prapti. That this, the living being gets a body in the human body. You're born, grow up a little bit, you become uh, youth, then a full grown man or woman, then you get old and then you die. And then you get another body. So it's not just for the Hindus. It's not that there's some Uparwala who's saying, oh, he's a Hindu, okay, give him another birth. And he's a Muslim, okay, uh, he doesn't believe in that, so no more birth for him. He's a Muslim, so he goes immediately to, uh, what do they call that in Islam, heaven? Jannat. Jannat. There's another word also. Jannat, is it? So, okay, he can go there. If you believe, it's not a matter of belief. Either it's a fact or it's not a fact. And actually, if we want to approach spiritual knowledge in a in an intelligent manner, which has been the, the highest level of India's culture, is the intelligent approach to understanding reality. And nowadays they like they think Indian culture means some some uh, Odissi dancing or Bharatanatyam or Kathakali or okay I mean that's all part of the culture but the the highest part of the culture is this uh, Brahma Jignasa inquiry into the nature of reality. Kasmin Vigyate Yadam Sava Vigyatam Bhavati. That question comes, what is that by knowing which everything is known? This kind of inquiry. Brahma Jignasa. What is the nature of reality, spiritual reality? So it's, uh, it is the intelligence quest for understanding the nature of reality beyond simply uh, trying to indulge our senses, which actually animals do. Thinking that we can be happy by enjoying the senses, Srila Prabhupada quotes in the purport here from the Srimad Bhagavatam. In Orissa, people know Bhagavatam. It's quite popular, at least in the traditional culture, Bhagavatam. And in the southern part, especially, Rushinga Purana, they also, that's also quite popular. Bhagavatam is well known. But mostly they think it's only stories of Krishna dancing with the gopis. Well, here is a verse from Srimad Bhagavatam which Srila Prabhupada has quoted, Nayam deho deha bhajam riloke kashtan kaman arhate vidbhujamye tapo divyam putraka yena satvam shudhyat yasmad brahmasokyam tvanantam Rishabdev teaches don't live your life like a pig. Vidbhuja means 
the stool eater, those that eat the human or any other excrement, that is the pig. Don't live like a pig, he says. Now you have the human form of life. <clears throat> One should perform divine austerity by which one can come to the platform of unlimited Brahmasuk, spiritual happiness. So that is the uh, proper aim of human life. The knowledge of how to attain that is given in Bhagavad Gita. And the teaching is given which we can observe, that if we try to enjoy ourselves <coughs> without knowing who we are, if we think that I am this body and enjoyment of the senses is happiness, then we become more and more entangled in suffering. And the evidence of that is the modern world. The more we try to enjoy, the more we suffer. The more we get facilities so-called facilities, the more we suffer because of that. Of course, there is another kind of suffering also where you don't have anything. If you don't have food, roti kapramakan, if we don't have food, clothing, shelter, that's also a kind of suffering. But the injunction of the Shastra is yavad artha payojana, that we should... Uh, endeavor to fulfill our material needs as much as we need and not more. Because if we strive for more and more and more, we simply suffer. We can see that in the modern age, life has become very easy. You don't have to work so hard. People would, in some ways, you don't have to work hard, just like for cooking. You don't have to grind the spices by hand. Now, there's the mixing. And you don't have to uh, go to the well to bring the water and carry it on the head. So the women are saved all these things, but then they get diabetes. Because they don't do any... Lifestyle diseases. There are lifestyle diseases. Carpal tunnel syndrome, high blood pressure, stress, diabetes, etc. So the idea, we will have a better life, but we end up with so much suffering. So, the Vedic injunction is, don't strive for more than we need materially, but strive for that which we really need, which is spiritual. And that Krishna gives Think of me, become my devotee. Solution to all the problems. Think of Krishna, become his devotee. Those of you who are from Orissa, generally, who's from Orissa, Oriya background, born in Orissa or Oriya family, most of them. So that's your good fortune that everyone in Orissa, almost everyone, they're Jagannath Bhakta. So, uh, not only the even the Muslims, it's, it's the culture of Jagannath there is so strong 
that the Muslims also, they also love Jagannath. Now they're converting to Christians, but I think it'll be difficult for the, they'll become Christians and they'll also love Jagannath, because it's very difficult for Aurya people not to love Jagannath, from what I can see. Even the, uh, most of the people, they don't strictly follow the Vaishnav Sadacha. Most of them like to eat fish. It's very wide spread in Orissa. But Jagannath, if you're going by traveling overland from Bengal to Orissa, you know, you don't have to see any sign. You just see all the pictures of Jagannath everywhere. And then you know you're in Orissa. So, that is a great fortune to have that natural attraction to Jagannath. So, Srila Prabhupada, he was also our guru, he was also a great devotee of Lord Jagannath. From the age of five, he, he was a very powerful person, obviously, to go all over the world and spread Krishna consciousness. So even at the age of five, he had a very powerful personality and uh, he forced his father, kept on telling his father, you know, I want something, you have to do what I say. You build one, get one Rath cart built and we'll do Rathiyatra, Jagannath. At the age of five, he did this in Calcutta because he saw, even now in Calcutta, on the Rathiyatra day, you'll see so many Rathiyatras are going out. Because people, they, Jagannath is not only Oriyanath, but the Bengalis, I know Oriya people don't like Bengalis much, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, Jagannath culture is also very strong in Bengal, not as much as Orissa. So there are many Rathiyatras, and probably he thought as a young boy, I want to have my own Rathiyatra. So he arranged that, made a little Rat and all the local ladies, they cooked some bog and offered to Jai. So he did the whole festival. And then later, uh, at the age of 69, he went all over the world. And one of the first things he did after establishing Krishna consciousness in the West was to start Jagannath Rathiyatra. And now Rathiyatra is in Jagannath Rathiyatra is held all over the world in all the famous cities and even in many, many places which you never heard of. I, I don't think anyone in Iskot even knows all the places it's being held in. There's so many small towns in Siberia, in different mahalas of Delhi. I think Iskot organized there's about 20 throughout the year in different parts of Delhi. So Jagannath by the grace of Srila Prabhupada, has gone to the Jagat. He is Jagat Guru. Krishnam Vande Jagat Guru. Krishna is the Guru of all. Srila Prabhupada has brought Jagannath to the whole world and brought the teachings of Jagannath in Bhagavad Gita by which people can live happily. That idea is there, isn't it, in Puri, that everyone can come to, everyone should come together and eat together. And in taking Jagannath Prasad, there's no consideration of who is higher or who is lower. 
because everyone is under Jagannath. So this is actually Vaishnav culture. That everyone, this is really Vasundhaiva Kotombakam. This is possible if we know that Jagannath is there. We're all under Jagannath. So you're very fortunate to have this culture of Jagannath. So uh, we can only request you to uh, take that up more and more and try to understand the teachings of Lord Jagannath given in Bhagavad Gita. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he also um, made his base in Puri. At that time, I don't know if there was any Bengal, Bengali Arya feeling. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he never said, I'm a Bengali. But the uh, the uh, Gajapati at that time, he also recognized Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That was Prataparudra Dev. And the, uh, the present day Gajapati, king of Puri, he also is, uh, of course, a great devotee of Lord Jagannath. And he's also very appreciative of ISKCON. He's attended Rathiatras organized by ISKCON all over the world. So um, I can simply request you to uh, increase your bhakti to Jagannath more and more by the uh, process given by the Vaishnava Acharyas, especially the uh, chanting in this age, Sankirtana, Hari Sankirtan, we find that still in the villages, especially of Orissa, very beautiful Kirtan, so many expert Madanga players and singing so sweetly. So we can simply request you to Take that up more and more and be happy. There's no happiness in material life. Really. That's the purport of what Krishna is saying here. Real happiness is with Krishna. So please take that up and we should all live together happily under the shelter of Jagannath and all his devotees. And if anyone has any question, I'll take that now. Otherwise, I'll finish speaking now. Yes, you can speak in the mic. Uh, you, I can hear, but the others won't. So please speak in the mic. Speak so it comes in the mic. He said everything is. Nothing is out in the neck. Yeah. Everything. Nothing is ours. Everything belongs to Krishna. So is the soul ours? We are soul. We are Atma. Sometimes we think. I am this body and I have an Atma. But actually I am Atma and the body is only temporary. But the Atma also belongs to Krishna. That's why he's called Jagannath. 
We belong to Him. We are not independent. So yeah, we belong to Him. And when we understand this, then we're, then we're happy. If we don't understand this, then we simply suffer. Simple point. I belong to Krishna. There's a nice verse in this regard, Srila Prabhupada used to quote sometimes by Yamunacharya. He's written one prayer called Stotra Ratnam, a series of prayers to Lord Vishnu. Bhavanta Mevanu Charam Nirantara Prashanta Nishesha Manoratantara Kadahamai Kantika Nitya Kinkara Maharshi Yashami Sanata Jivita. He says that when shall I be? Happy simply to recognize that I am your servant. I am your eternal servant. Then all the garbage in the mind, all the uh, disturbance of the mind, that will cease and I will become very peaceful. And I will live as someone... Sanata, who has got his master. And Srila Prabhupada, when he explained this verse, he would say the other word is anata. <coughs> Just like the children, if they don't have parents, they're called anata, orphan. So in this material world, if we don't recognize jaganata, then we become anata. And we suffer. Srila Prabhupada used to give the example of a dog. You see the dog is wandering in the street, not in Kuwait, in India. The dog is wandering without any master. He's miserable. But if a dog has a master, then the master will throw some food, he'll be maintained. Then the dog feels happy. So we have to become the dog of Krishna. Tomara Koka Baliya Janahamorin. This Bhaktivinoda Thakur has written one song that uh, I would like to be, he's praying to Krishna, I'd like to be just like your dog. I'll, I'll wait at the, you tie me up, I'll wait at your door, and any, uh, what is that? Pratipa Janare Ashibo Nadibo. Any, anyone who doesn't like you, I won't allow them to come. And then anything your devotees, their food remnants, anything they throw to me, I'll very happily take that. And whenever you call me, I'll come running. So like that. He's given a very nice example of the attitude of a Vaishnava. He wants to be the dog of Krishna and his devotees. Sanata. So we belong to Krishna. We can learn something even from the dog. Of course, the dog is a very highly respected member of the modern society. But uh, actually, it's not... Uh, it's another defect of modern society. They give so much respect to the dog. But we can learn something from the dog also. 
how he's very faithful to his master. Anything else? Any other question? Yes, please. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a little joke. It, I mean, it's it's true also. <laughs> There's some sense of that from what I have sensed, but it's not very important because that's material life. You see, and no one really, no one likes friendship in this material world. Means we gang up against someone else, isn't it? It's just like, uh, what is it, that uh, the Tamil people don't like the Canada people, then Tamil Nadu, then different, don't like Pakistan, but then uh, if Pakistan is playing cricket match against Australia, they want Pakistan to win because you think, well, they're more, they're more or less our people. It's like that. That's uh, Machiavellian politics. There's a famous philosopher of politics from Italy, Machiavelli. He said the good ruler always keeps the country at war or being prepared for war and always blames everything on the next state. And this way you won't have internal disturbances. Because if the people are they're ready to fight, they think the enemy's over there. Because if you don't, they're not fighting someone outside, then they'll be fighting inside. It's just like uh, I read that there's one newspaper reporter from America. He was speaking with someone in Pakistan about the floods in Pakistan, and he said, "Well, it's all caused by India." <coughs> And how can that be? He said, "Well, they 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 have technology. They can make the see. They have they have they can they can send the clouds over here." <laughs> A strange idea, but in uh, I don't know now. It's I was in Karachi, and they have an English paper called the Dawn newspaper. They probably sell it here. I don't know. But in that, I was looking at it, and in, they refer to India as the enemy. So in material life, we need enemies. So like that. Aurya people think that Bengalis, we don't like them, and Bengalis think we don't like anyone else. And like that, it goes on. Hindus don't like Muslims, Muslims don't like and then Muslims within Islam, there are two divisions, and then Pakistanis don't like Indians, and then Sindhis in Pakistan don't like Punjabis, and Baluchis, and you know, it just goes on and on. Krishna says, Advaishta Sarvabhutanam. We should be without any dvesh or bad feeling to anyone. It's just the, na just the nature of material existence that people don't like each other. Probably. Probably uh, people from one part of Orissa don't like it, people from another part. 
in Bengal, people from Calcutta think they're superior to the village people. West Bengalis think they're superior to Bangladeshis or East Bengalis. This is going on. This is material consciousness. Want to speak I, okay, I can speak louder. How Americans well, are, I'll have to repeat it because probably the people. No, I, I can speak louder. Uh, how Americans are uh, leading a richer life because of their desire for materialistic world. Living a richer life? Wretched life. Wretched, wretched life. Yeah. Americans are leading a wretched life. Yeah. The, the, the fact is, if Americans would not have a materialistic desire, Maybe the Chinese will starve. If the, if the if Americans the, if the Americans didn't have materialistic design, the Chinese would have starved. Because today the Chinese industry is feeding by America. Now the Chinese have come up. See, suppose Americans do not have desire for technology, the Indian technocrats would starve. The Indians would have starved. Actually, the Indians starved during the uh, in 1943 as a result of uh, Churchill his policies. He deliberately starved literally millions of Indians. The the uh, governments stockpiled all the grains and they put it at a very high price and uh, they're, they're America, they wouldn't allow them to import grains. They starved them. Now in Bhagavad Gita Lord Krishna says uh, where does food come from? Lord Krishna explains in Bhagavad Gita. Anad bhavanti bhutani, all living beings live on grains. And parjanyad anasambhavaha, that rain makes grain or food possible. And so it, it's food is coming from God, not from the Americans. That's what the communists, the Bolsheviks said when they, they, they would go to the villages in Russia and tell the people that uh, you pray to God for bread, but he doesn't give you bread. You said, pray to God for bread and see if he, he gives it to you. So they'd pray and say, well, did God give you bread? No. He said, now you ask us. And they'd have it prepared. To give it. Okay, take bread. So you should believe in us, not in God. But the fact is that uh, they could not have produced that food if it wasn't for the grace of God who supplies everything. And f you're saying um, uh, Chinese are coming up and the, but the factories they don't produce food. Food doesn't come from factories. Food comes from the soil. It's, it, it, from the soil and from the rain it's all by God's arrangement. So the factories they've not produced food. They, they, they produce mostly extraneous things. And uh, before there were any factories, people were living and eating. So how is it that by uh, Americans developing that people can eat? It's arrangement of God, not the arrangement of Americans or anyone else. There are so many 
empires have come up. Iraq, which is now officially a protectorate of America, it's protected. They call it a protectorate. That was once the seat of a great empire which ruled over a large area. So Iraq had a great empire, maybe about 3,000 years ago. Egypt, who thinks of Egypt as a great country? One time they had a great civilization. Turkey, for hundreds of years, there was a huge Ottoman empire from Turkey. Mongolia, Genghis Khan came out of Mongolia and conquered a huge area. And what's Mongolia now? So these uh, big, big empires come and go. So we shouldn't be too much uh, enamored by all this. Now America is very powerful. After some time, they won't be. Because that's the way the samsara chakra goes. Sometimes someone is very powerful, sometimes less so. We should see what is the actual reality. We have nothing to do with this material world. Our relationship is with Krishna. Anything else? Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, this is specific to life after death. Yeah. In, uh, Yeah, yeah, that's stated in Bhagavad Gita. That we there, we get different, different forms according to our activities. Yes, yes. Uh, you you know about the Orissa culture and all that thing, but will it be to, to some extent. To some extent, I know about Orissa culture. The is, uh, when somebody is, uh, we have found some people in the villages when they get agitated, very much agitated because mm. of some reason. understand that's quite scientific actually because um, for every action there's a reaction so if we do good work we get a higher birth if we do sinful work we get a lower birth and cursing and blessing is also possible if you it's not necessarily if you curse someone that they'll get a lower birth you have to have the power to do so also it's uh, so just by saying to someone, you'll, you'll be born in lower birth. But if it actually comes true, then you lose your punya by giving that curse. So it's all quite complex. But it's easy to understand that uh, if we do good work, then we get a good birth. If we do bad birth, work, then we get a bad, lower birth. It's a simple principle to understand. 
There's one question from the Hindi speakers. Lord Jagannath is an incarn is an avatar of Krishna or Krishna himself. The avatars are all Krishna. Ram, Nishinga, Varaha, Kurama, they're all Krishna. Jagannath is Krishna. Of course, Ram, Nishinga, Varaha, Kurama, Vamana, they're all, they're, you can say different forms. They're same and different. But Jagannath is Krishna. That's, he's there with Balabhadra, Balaram, Subhadra, his brother and sister. Sudarshan, his favorite weapon, great devotee. Sudarshan chakra goes very quickly, isn't it? Why does he go so quickly? Because he wants to get back quick to Krishna. Doesn't want to be away by any longer than he has to be. Yes, did my job. Back again. So I think we'll finish here and Hare Krishna. No, another question. All right. Just a small question because going the topic, like you said, the Sudarshan Chakra. So uh, why Basuri or the Bansi is so so much liked by why does Krishna why, like? What is the significance of Basuri is so dear and dear to why he like it? Why does he like it? Yeah. Well, why what do why, you like? What do you like? Why it did not become something else like could have, could. Maybe, maybe oh, he has a Madanga also. In yeah. in Chaitanya Leela he has a Madanga. <laughs> why does he like a flute? Yeah. Well, why do you what do you like? No, I'm just asking you to help to make to help. You like the cartel, okay? You like the sound of that more than anything else. And maybe someone else likes a guitar. Someone likes a violin. It's personal taste, isn't it? Krishna's a person, so that's his personal taste. He likes the sound of a flute more than that of an electric guitar. Flute also being cowherd boy, the the cow the gopals they use the flute for calling the cows. Up to the present day, you'll find that they they can entertain themselves while out in the field or the forest by playing the flute. It's very easy; they can stick it. You can take it. It's also good for calling his gopis. So, but that's his personality. He can play anything he likes. And actually, so many instruments are there for Krishna. We'll find in the temples, so many instruments are placed for his pleasure. But that's his personal favor. So, this is personal design. But Jagannath likes to eat so many different varieties of food. But uh, he, they, the cooks, they know his menu, right? They cook what he likes. So there, there, so many other things could be cooked, but they know what he likes, and it's for his service. 
So they cook what he likes. That's his personal preference. He could be eating hamburgers and hot dogs, but he doesn't eat that. He doesn't eat that. He has his own favorites. So bhakti means to know what Krishna likes and try to provide that for him. We're very small, but he's very kind. He says, Patram Pushpam Palantoyam Yome Bhaktya Prayachati. Krishna says that if you offer me with bhakti, patra, pushpa, phal, jal, I will accept it. So that's his kindness. He's very great, but he accepts our offering to him if we offer it with bhakti. That's his kindness to us. So now I shall finish this session. But nothing's complete without Krishna Kirtan. So we'll have a little more Kirtan. Because anyway, t- tomorrow you can all enjoy life by sleeping as long as you like, right? In the morning. <laughs> so, but if we want to please Krishna, we should rise early. Because he rises early, he is not lazy. Jagannath, he's he's so busy looking after his devotees. He doesn't sleep much, does he? 